got an entrepreneurial spark, but haven't aligned your passions with your work? That's when the joyless daily grind can set in, but also some real creative tension and the possibility for exciting career growth and satisfaction. Eric Beankin and Brendan Curver's personal stories can show you how industry specialization may be just the thing that turns your spark into a fire. Industry Forward starts now. Welcome, CLA family, to Industry Forward, a podcast designed to tell the stories behind the CLA promise. We create opportunities when we live the CLA culture, leadership, ownership, entrepreneurship. At the center of CLA promise is our purpose, our why for existence, to create opportunities for our clients, create opportunities for our people, and create opportunities our communities. Industry specialization propels, enables, and drives all of those. Industry specialization drives seamless capabilities. Industry industry specialization drives careers. So why specialize? A better question is, how do you get started and what's it like when you're just getting going? So today we've invited Eric Binken from our River Valley region specializing agribusiness, but really in the pork industry. And Brendan Curvers from our Minneapolis office. He's part of the M&D team, but has been taking on the leadership of driving our food and beverage practice. Welcome to the mic, guys. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Glad to have you here. I'm going to start with a really simple question, if I can, today, just to, just to get started. Let's start with your personal story. Brendan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, certainly. Grew up uh, on the south side of Minneapolis here. So um, grew up in Burnsville, Minnesota, which is uh, about three suburbs out of Minneapolis. Wound up in at North Dakota State in Fargo. Uh, so spent some time in North Dakota and then uh, found myself back in Minneapolis working for CLA shortly uh, thereafter college. Um, really got my start with CLA uh, in 2012 with a uh, manufacturing distribution internship. And then found myself back at CLA in 2013 with a with another summer internship, and then finally, full time as Dudley Ryan would say, I was a seasonal intern. Um, <laughs> but uh, but found my way back full time in 2014, and that's where I really nestled into the the manufacturing distribution group. And so then, so why accounting and finance? Why why CPA? Yeah, it's an interesting story, Jan. I actually really went up to North Dakota State to be a pharmacist. A pharmacist. Yeah, so a little bit of a pivot from from what a CPA does on a day-to-day, but at the end of the day where I found my passion when I was in high school was was helping people. Um, and the easiest thing that I could really see was something that was front, front line and center for me. My mom went through two bouts of cancer when I was growing up, and I saw the immense amount of drugs that were going into her body to combat this cancer. And something for me was pharmacy seemed like a good place to go and help find proactive solutions for this. Move forward a little bit further into my time with CLA and I, I tried a round of Whole30. Ah, very good. So we're going to probe that one a little bit more. Before we do that, I want to hear Eric's story. Yeah, so my story uh, starts on the farm. Um, I come from two farm families. Uh, my dad's side was, was pork and grain and my mom's side was a small dairy. But I was born in the South Metro. So my connection was through my extended relatives. And I have a lot of memories of going down in the farm uh, in August in Bailing Hay 
uh, watching my grandfather milk the cows in the parlor. And uh, there was just something that stuck with me as I grew up, that egg is special. There's just something about the farm. And it has its own language, bales oh, of hay, milking does. parlor. <laughs> I'm guessing many people in the sound of my voice have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, no, 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 they don't. No. More about your career. <laughs> Along line with that is my, my dad was a controller at AgriLiance, a cooperative here in Minnesota. Uh, my uncle is a CFO of a co-op in Iowa. So there was a finance aspect. So I grew up with a family of accountants, a family of farmers. And when I was introduced to the firm in 2006 through summer experience, um, I connected with Cindy Scheid out of the New Alm office at the time. And she was explaining what they do. And they were, at that time, the ag tax capital of the firm. They really were. Uh, so I looked at it and said, I can work in rural communities serving farmers and aligning with my accounting or finance uh, passion. This is a, could be a great marriage. Uh, so that's where my relationship started. I was hired on full-time in 2008, and I've been in River Valley ever since. Yeah, very good. So a little bit more about your career. So when did you choose ag? Right out of the gate? I wish it was that easy, John. No, it wasn't. Um, when I first started, my focus was more on the service line, which was tax. I almost touched every other industry besides ag or manufacturing until uh, I think I was a first-year manager. I, I understand along the way you weren't real happy about that yeah <laughs> that that's a fair statement so when you have an entrepreneurial itch even at year three four five um when you're not aligning your passion with what you're doing day to day or who you're serving you feel anxiety you feel uh, a disruption needs to happen to change because you're not where you should be i can see on your face which i have the benefit of seeing mm -hmm that there was pain involved in that at that time. It wasn't fun. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was a grind. It, you felt like you were a cog in the system, grinding day in and day out. So how did you change it? Well, uh, at first I thought I got to leave. Uh, this isn't the place for me. And looking outside of the firm, the culture wasn't right. So I stayed. Even though I was in the grind, I stayed. And then they came to me and said, hey, would you like to serve in our ABC manufacturing team? And I said, you know what? I need a change. Absolutely, let's do this. And so I did. And the first client I went to was a pork farmer. Really? So the very first so <laughs> the Very first so, one. So you're, first your manager, you're five, six, mm -hmm. uh, egg, because someone took the time to invite you right. and draw you in. Mm-hmm. And you, and then of course you found it. Would, was did the was the passion born right then, right there? I, you know, it probably wasn't at the first very first start. But what I really enjoyed was the complexity. You know, people don't think farming is complex. I can see it in your face, John. You're like, no. <laughs> but, I grew up on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> but when you talk, start talking about derivatives <laughs> and commodity pricing and marketing, it is a it is an incredibly complex industry. And I just found myself getting sucked in. Okay, I want to come back on that one. I want to know more. Brendan, let's pick up your story. Yours was a much uh, much more focused story from the outset. M&D mm -hmm. embraced you and gave you some freedom. Tell us about those early years. Yeah, absolutely. I was um, lucky enough that the first individual that I met from CLA was Eric Ski. Um, can't find a much more impressive manufacturing mind. 
um, in, in my opinion. Um, so the very first interactions I had with CLA was with one of our best. And the passion that he was showing in that initial interview mm-hmm. when I was in college sitting there just attracted me to the firm more than any kind of passionate feeling I've ever had. Um, the next step was I got down to Minneapolis. And who's the second person I meet? Samantha Metcalf. So you can't really meet two more passionate people within an industry. Um, so I was really lucky with kind of how that all played out. Mm. But then it, it really came down to, you know, similar to Eric's story, I think I was working some tax, I was working some assurance, really trying to find my fit that first year. And I remember sitting in my cube one late night in March and Sam brought over a project. I didn't have anything else going on at the time. I was a new staff, work had slowed down. And it was a value add model, very brand new. Uh, Sam and, and Rob Tracy had developed this, this model. Um, and I was able to get my first flare of manufacturing consulting. And that was when I knew this was the place for me. So by my math, you've been with the firm just discounting, of course, the internships, just shy of six years. Why food and beverage? Why so early in some of our people's minds yeah. have you selected this? Yeah, this concept of deep industry specialization was always something that was really exciting to me. So that was something that was always kind of a key pillar on our M&D team. I was sitting in a growth network meeting here in Minneapolis, probably the first or second one that I was ever at, ever invited to. So this was when I was a senior. And the, the main thing I kept hearing was we're having trouble finding people that want to step up and lead a market segment. And I said, hey, this is a great opportunity to get some leadership experience. And I kind of ticked down the list and I said, hey, I know food. I work for Cargill, right? The, one of the largest food companies in the world. So I knew that world a little bit. And then I started doing a little research. So ran some star reports, found out that, okay, CLA has an immense amount of food and beverage clients. However, there's not one single person that solely focuses on this. So we are serving the market, but not in the most efficient and effective way. But there's deeper passion to that, Absolutely. Brendan, that mm-hmm. you've shared with me in the past. Yeah. A little deeper than just opportunity. What is that? Yeah. So it really comes down to probably the first 20 years of my life. I grew up on the Schwann's man, right? The Schwann's man come, came once a week. So the freezer was full of all the food that we ate on a processed day-to-day. food. Processed, very processed. But it was great stuff. Went to college, lived pretty much the same lifestyle, probably even more unhealthy <laughs> than, than, uh, than I was growing up. And then when I got to CLA, uh, there was a, this kind of this movement of a lot of the new folks that I was working with. It was this concept of, okay, let's be really holistic with our food. At the same time, you had way more opportunities in terms of whole foods starting to pop up, high V starting to pop up more than your Cub Foods and Sam's Club frozen, frozen food sections, really becoming an alternative option in the Twin Cities. With all of this, I am thinking about kind of this industry side on, on one side of my brain and then my personal life on the other side of my brain. And really what I, what I saw was, okay, I'm gonna do this round of, of Whole30, which opened my eyes to foods that I would never even imagine touching in the first 25 years of my life. What really happened was a a life-changing experience to me, and that was feeling energized without 15 cups of coffee, feeling better without taking any sort of supplements, and really being able to fully be the best person I can be via eating 
the proper food. Hmm. And to me, that was where I was able to connect my personal life with what I could do at CLA and really get all in on a community within the industry. Ah, very good. So it's the, it became a passion. Absolutely. Eric, you teased us by saying I went deep because it became a bit of a passion. It was interesting. It was complex. It was easy to demonstrate value, perhaps. Tell us more about this going deep because you needed to become an expert and you figured out how to do that. Yeah, and I, I did need to be an expert. I need to be an expert very quickly because what I found out in my conversations with those clients, I couldn't participate in them because the questions they a- asked were so detailed. Uh, it, they wanted an advisor and I could not be that advisor without diving deep. So what I did, John is I did a 28-day binge on everything pork. Whoa, 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 whoa. 28-day binge, everything pork, even what you ate? Not to the extent of Brandon's <laughs> what, what I eat, no, no. <laughs> but when you look at a pork producer, it's genetics, okay? So what is genetics? What's the difference in different breeds? How do they raise the pigs? What do they use? What's their inputs? How do they market? What's their risk management? And then you have to go all the way to the meat side. I mean, let's, let's face it. If there's no demand, right, for their product, it affects everything. It's a giant chain. So this 28-day binge was learning, literally going to college, if you will, on the pork industry. Absolutely. How did you do that? Uh, it was tough. I just sat down and said, if I'm going to serve these clients and align my passion for egg with what's in front of me, I need to do this. Where'd you find the information? It was pig site, um, USDA, anything that was out on the web that was legitimate. So your best friend became Google. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. It was even diving into tax and assurance. Uh, there is certain aspects of assurance, or uh, I should say accounting standards specific to ag. Um, tax, farm tax is very different than manufacturing or commercial service. It was, it was everything. It was all encompassing. So what did you do with the information? I created what I call Pigs 101. It's a 45 to 50 page document that lays it out from the history of pork production in the U.S. all the way to today. And it also includes um, areas of concentration in the United States. So Ohio, Iowa, Minnesota, where is it located? Who's there? who's the top 40 pork producers. I mean, it's, it's as good as I could have done at that point of putting it together and I say, John, here's everything you need to know about pork. And you can read the, those 50 pages. So beyond yourself, how do you use this? Beyond your own knowledge, how do you use this? Um, I ask my team to read it before we go out there or before we start engaging that client, whether it's, whether it's tax, or, tax or assurance and say, all right, here is the vernacular. I do recall you mentioning you used some of the framing for a presentation that you have done to the industry. Yeah, I have. So along with that knowledge, if you're going to get up in front of, of those prospects, of your clients, um, you got to be able to walk the walk before you talk the talk. Hmm. And so um, doing that deep dive allowed me to get in front of those clients and prove that I know the pain they're going through hmm. before they have to tell me. So what have been the results? So you did this work. You went to school, did the 28-day binge, if you will. Mm-hmm. I assume you've updated this? Constantly. Constantly updating. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's just a growing source of resources. You share it with the team members. Yeah. You expect your team members to mm-hmm. learn it with you. Yeah. 
um, what have been the results? To me, the results are the value the clients see in us is more than just compliance now. Um, I get calls from some of our large pork producers almost weekly in our discussions, not about accounting and tax. It's about what we see in the industry. Two weeks ago, if you had asked me where the pork industry was, I would say it was a decimated market. There's too much supply. But now we've got this um, opportunity in China with um, African swine fever, and, and this is no joke. The, the cash price for pork was about 50 bucks, 100 weight. And within one week, now the futures price is over 100. It mm. doubled in a week. And so what's the first thing my clients do? They call me. Hey, have mm. you seen this? I said, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I didn't have to look anything up. Yeah, 50 million tons of pork was sold in China in a week. I mean, mm. so when you're there with them in the weeds and seeing what they're seeing, your conversations is that much more important. How's that translated in business development or growth opportunities? Uh, the, the deeper you can dive into the industry, the easier those opportunities come. If you have raving fans, they're going to introduce you to people. So, for instance, that, that very first client that I mentioned, that my first time in, in ag, he called me up and said, hey, I, I know some guy out in Ohio. They're looking for someone to, to help with their audit and tax needs, and I recommended you. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to ask. They knew that because I knew the industry that I could provide something for them that their current provider was not. Hmm. And that happens more often than not. That's terrific. So I know you've started building your team. How is that going? I'm very fortunate that the River Valley region lies in one of the more heavily populated pork areas in the country. And there's two other individuals who are drivers just like I am, Jim Marzoff and Jim Heilman. So that's our core team. And we've identified a few more. Uh, we actually just recently hired someone from Hormel. So her knowledge is incredible from the meat side. So it is growing. It's building, expanding. And the more we uh, come together, the more we find that there is so much more ahead of us. Now, my vision, John, is that we create something like this in other pockets across the country. Hmm. I'm thinking Raleigh. I'm thinking Toledo. Uh, Illinois offices, West Des Moines. I, I mean, the, it is, to hmm. me, it's the low-hanging fruit. If there's somebody out there in those offices that have an entrepreneurial itch and they have a passion for egg, I want to come alongside them. That's my vision of where this could go. Yeah, it's terrific. So, Brendan, uh, we're sitting here on the the end of a opportunity season, uh, a chance to manifest some of what you've been striving. Um, I know you've had a chance to begin to get focused on those food and beverage clients that the the firm serves. Tell us a little bit about what we do that's unique or different. Certainly. It's a great question, John. And really the <clears throat> the unique thing that CLA brings to the table when it comes to, to food and beverage is very similar to what Eric was mentioning in a sense of we are a little bit different than what the market is is used to seeing out there. Um, They are really used to the CPAs coming in to various industry events and and really trying to sell tax and auto work. What we do is we're a little bit different in a sense of we're not just a logo on a table or on on a screen or anything at these industry events, but we are really getting to know the people there, understanding what their pain points are, and sharing that common dream and common passion for the industry. Hmm. You know, one of the big things that's going on in the industry right now is this concept of sustainability. 
the generation that is really leading this food revolu revolution is also a very entrepreneurial generation. Mm. So what you're seeing, and the first movers on this were the craft breweries. So talk to Tim Irvin down in, in our Oak Brook office. He's really seen this uh, on the craft brewery side for you know the last five to 10 years here. Now what we're starting to see in a lot of these developed markets, think Minneapolis, Chicago, Denver, LA, you're starting to see these micro units or ecosystems of innovation and kind of a, an ecosystem of local food. Now, what does that mean? It's kind of exactly how I got my start within food is I'm used to the large CPG companies owning the grocery store, right? So you go into a grocery store, you kind of walk around, you get everything in the freezer aisle. You go to the middle, you kind of get the other processed and packaged foods. What I always used to skip out on was the fresh produce and the, the local type food because it was a little bit more expensive, right? So growing up in the Minneapolis suburbs, my parents anyway, were a little bit more frugal with, with where the money was going. And now what we're seeing is the opportunity to get into a Whole Foods and the prices have, have come down. It's now just as equally important to get into that grocery store and buy that local food because you know where it came from. You know the farm. You can trace it back to the farm that it came from. You can trace it back to that actual mm. producer. And that means something to this new generation. Yeah, I think that's important. Supply chain is of critical importance, and that draws us into all kinds of concepts around blockchain and tagging and monitoring and so forth. Guys, this is a great conversation, and frankly, I could continue all day. But I want to close it with one final question, if I can. And it's really targeted to the people who are listening right now. I'm guessing there are some that are extremely motivated by your comments. They're saying, I, I could do that. And some that are intimidated because the two of you are highly motivated and it might feel a bit intimidating, especially when I have a big book of business and they're wondering, what does this mean really for my career? Especially if I've historically had a more service orientation. So what bit of advice do you have for the people of the firm? as they're looking at the opportunities that are before them, they're considering the requests of the firm and this strategic advantage of industry specialization, our desire to bring a broader perspective to the client to drive the seamless experience. What advice do you have? John, I would say um, there's always an element of fear of the unknown. What I would say, don't succumb to the fear. Push through it. Align your passions with what you want out of your career, who you want to serve. Because from that point, you have a great career. If you can align your passions, you have an inspired career that other people are going to look at and say, I want what that person has. Yeah, I would, I would echo a very similar thing to Eric there. I think the biggest thing that I would say when, when we're aligning our passions is find that thing that you lose track of time doing. Find that area that you can't, you don't want to put down. For me, you touched on a little bit, John, over the last two years, the two things that have fascinated me. And I kind of took two approaches. I, I downloaded the Robinhood app. I don't know if you've heard of that one or not, but um, essentially micro investing. But I invested in the top CPG companies that I know of. That got me really interested in following current trends in the industry. And the second was blockchain. 
So with all of that, I was, those are the things that I couldn't stop reading about. I couldn't stop myself from learning about. And then you're able to take those passions, those areas that you can't mm. put down, and put that towards your career. And that's how you can really live that inspired career. Ah, fabulous. That's, those are great stories, guys. And they're stories that are just beginning. Because both of you are staring forward at tremendous opportunity and a great chance to impact the people around you, your families, frankly, industries. CLA family, remember, industry specialization is not about joining a group. It's not about a designation. It's not simply about complying with a request from the firm. It is about pursuing your passion. It is about delivering something unique and different to the client. It is about becoming an expert in our client's business. It is about creating opportunities for those clients, for our people, for yourself, and of course for those industry communities in which we spend our time. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you, Eric. And thank you, CLA family, for listening to this edition of Industry Forward.